right. Thank you so much, Sue. We appreciate that. Beautiful hymns today and yesterday. Well, this morning, if you remember, and I hope that you do, we talked about guarding our heart, and we talked about the fact that, one, our hearts are prone to wonder, and then how to keep those hearts from wondering was really centered a lot on the application and ingestion of the Word of God, and that was, that's very important. Tonight, we want to talk about preparing for war, preparing for war, because, because Satan will attack even the most well-guarded heart. In fact, I'm going to propose to you tonight that the more guarded your heart, the more you intensify your efforts to seek God with your heart, the more likely you are to be attacked. And the wind, and the war, winds of war were blowing in 1937. Of course, in Germany and Europe, already the war was raging. America was sending supplies, but they were not involved in the war as of yet. But of course, Britain was and France was, and so much of Europe was involved in that war. And the Pacific, war winds were also blowing with Japan. And it's, it's a great matter of debate about how, the Amer- how America largely ignored these winds of war that were blowing from Japan. It seemed like we were almost blind to it. And the strategic target that was sitting there, of course, was Pearl Harbor, because Pearl Harbor represented the entire uh, Pacific fleet of the United States. Now, you got to understand something, and I didn't really understand this until just three or four or five years ago, that... The United States was not a world power at the beginning of World War II. Um, if I remember right from, from some research I did before, our army was the seventh largest in the world. So there were six armies in the world bigger than ours, the United States. And our navy was somewhere three or four down the list. We did not have a very strong navy. In other words, even though the winds of war were blowing, blowing we were not prepared. We were not prepared at all. And here sitting in the middle of the Pacific was this jewel, what was this crown pearl called Pearl Harbor. And it was the home of the Pacific fleet. And looking back now, you wonder how in the world did we not better protect and prepare for war and at least protect this crown jewel, this this pearl of great price sitting there in the middle of the Pacific. Again, there's great debate today about how could we have been so blind to what was happening on the worldscape, and particularly with Japan, and allow Pearl Harbor to be attacked by surprise. We just, historians, historians scratch their head and go, how can these things be? Well, we're not talking about history tonight, but it makes a great setup for guarding your heart. Because you see, just like Pearl Harbor was the pearl of the Pacific, just like Pearl Harbor represented the strength of America in the Pacific, and just like it was a prime target, so is your heart. So is your heart. Satan wants so much to attack the heart, especially one that's seeking after God. And here's the other part you need to realize. We do not have to be surprised. We do not have to be surprised. In fact, this wonderful scripture, there's a verse in this scripture tonight, and we're in 2 Chronicles 32, uh, 2 Chronicles 32. In this wonderful scripture, there is a verse that, oh, as I read it, I said, what a wonderfully powerful scripture this is. So I hope tonight will be a large encouragement to you as you guard your heart, as you prepare your heart, as you prepare for war, because war certainly is coming. I hope, just like like Hezekiah's words were an encouragement to his people, these will be encouraging words to you in the days that we live in. 
So in 2 Chronicles 32, verse number 1, the Bible says, after all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done. Very crucial words. After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done. Mark it down. Faithfulness often leads to war. Faithfulness often often leads to war. In other words, as you commit your life to Jesus Christ, as you understood the Word of God this morning and say, I'm going to commit my heart, my treasure is not going to be earthly treasures. My treasure is going to be heavenly treasures. I'm going to set my mind and my heart's going to follow toward the things of the kingdom of God. The more you do that, the more likely war is going to come. Satan will attack, and we'll talk about it in just a moment, Satan will attack weak Christians just because they're weak. But Satan's favorite target are strong Christians, those people who have an influence in the world and in the king, for the kingdom of God. So, so Hezekiah had been faithfully serving, and the Bible says after he had so faithfully served, the Bible says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. Sennacherib invaded Judah, and Satan will try to attack your heart. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. And I want to tell you right now, Satan would like nothing more than to conquer your heart for himself. He cannot take your soul if you're born again, but he can steal your joy. He can steal your peace. He can steal your character. He can steal your reputation. He can steal your testimony. He can steal your power to influence people for the kingdom of God. And he's thinking that as he sees your heart today as you seek after the kingdom of God. You know, an old scripture that I've learned to really love, and I've taught several times here, is 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. This is from the English Standard Version. Be sober-minded. Be serious-minded. Be watchful. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, just like of Sennacherib for Hezekiah, your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Do you believe that tonight? Oh, listen, we have got to believe this thing about spiritual warfare. We have got to understand this stuff is real, that God is still real, that Satan is still real, and there is a spiritual war going on. And Satan does go about seeking whom he can conquer, seeking whom he can defeat, seeking whom he can devour. And like I said earlier, he is looking for weak ones. He loves weak Christians in the sense that they're an easy target. However, they're not a strategic target. Why are we Christians not a strategic target? Probably the question I ask you tonight is, do you consider yourself a strategic target for Satan or a non-strategic, a non-strategic target for Satan? The reason we Christians are not a strategic target for Satan, they're an easy target, but they're not a strategic target, is because they have so little influence for the kingdom. So little influence. They have no testimony in the community. When people look at their lives, they see, they see a very flawed testimony, a very weak and damaged uh, testimony. So again, there's not much influence. So it's an easy target, but it's not a strategic target. Satan also loves to target those. He's looking for weaknesses in a strong heart. Weakness in a strong heart. Does anybody want to gander tonight what is a weakness, a major weakness in strong hearts? Bingo. Pride. Whoever said it. Pride. 
Pride is such a dangerous thing when we start thinking, I've got this together. When we start trying to figure out, I'm sorry, when we start figuring out that we've got it going, that we understand the application of the Word of God, we understand the power of prayer, we understand the power of being grateful, we understand the power of being joyful, those different factors, when we start understanding those things, pride creeps in. And we start getting lax. Perhaps that's what happened in 1941 on December the 7th. Perhaps America thought that we were something that we were not, and that was a powerful nation. And we let our guard down, and when we let the guard down, the Japanese came in, sneak attacked Pearl Harbor, and destroyed a large portion of the, of the Pacific fleet. Be careful that you understand that Satan will pursue you the stronger you are in Jesus Christ. So, Hezekiah had been doing much good, and Sennacherib shows up, and he wants to take these fortified cities, and these were other cities that that were under Hezekiah's rule, these fortified cities around in the countryside, thinking he would take them for himself. Now look at verse number two. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, and that he intended to make war on what? Jerusalem. The capital city. Here's what, here's what happens. Now, that's so smart. It's so wise. Okay? So, so what happens is, Hezekiah says and looks around and sees Sennacherib sieging this city, this city, this city, and this city. And he says, how long is it going to be before he comes and takes Jerusalem or tries to take Jerusalem? That's so wise. You know, we need to be that same, we need to have that same wisdom spiritually in our lives. We need to look around as we see Satan working around us and understand it's only a matter of time that after I choose to follow the kingdom, after I choose to do kingdom work, after I choose to sell out and give my treasure, seek the treasure of the kingdom, it's only a matter of time before an attack is coming. It's not if an attack is coming. It is not if an attack is coming. It will come. And, so, and Hezekiah realized this. He was so, now listen to these words, strategically wise. Are you spiritually, strategically wise? And not trying to be offensive. Or are you, are you strategically ignorant? Do you live your life as if Satan will never attack? Do you live your life as if it could never happen to you? Do you live your life saying, I'm above that, I'm stronger than that, it may happen to him, but it would never happen to me? Thankfully, Hezekiah was not. He was strategically wise. He says, just a matter of time before that old fox tries to come after Jerusalem. So what does he do? He specifically and with focus prepares for war. The Bible says in verse 3, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. The first thing Hezekiah did was he consulted with more leaders in in his city and in his military. He sought the wise counsel of other people. A man who thinks he doesn't need wise counsel is a fool. The man who thinks he doesn't need wise counsel is a fool. Whoever is in the White House, if they don't seek wise counsel, whatever party, by the way, if they don't seek wise counsel, they're a foolish leader. A A wise leader will always surround himself 
and consult the people he has around him. A wise husband will consult his wife, and a wise wife will consult the husband. That's why God put people together. So Hezekiah seeks these men out. Now, Proverbs 24, 5 and 6 says this. That's Proverbs 24, 5 and 6. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. So a person who has lots of knowledge and lots of of wisdom is full of strength and full of of might, enhances his might. Now watch this. For For by the wise, or by wise guidance, you wage war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. So as we journey through life, we need each other. We will seek wise counsel. Something unique happened after church uh, this morning. Somebody didn't want to talk with me, and I thought maybe they were talking about salvation. But, but it turned out a young man had a very good question, and it's an honest question, but it was a hard question. He's 15 years old. He'd been coming to church about um, five months, five and a half months. And basically, his question was this. Is this a waste of time? It's kind of funny because I talked about that. I wonder if he even heard me say that. He goes, I told my dad, I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't know why we even do this for. It's just a waste of time. And I tried to explain to him that I said, you know what? Even if you're not doing the God thing, as far as I know, he's not a believer. Okay? And I said, you know, even if you're not doing the God thing right now, you might just hear something might help you in life. You just might hear something that might, you know, some good advice that will help you in life. I said, did you watch the video? Colson in the video didn't have a lot of good advice, and in 13, he's in trouble with the law, and he's on drugs and all these different things, and he finally got some wise counsel at the Baptist Children's Home. I said, yes, listen, it's not a waste of time in the sense if nothing else, you're getting some good advice. And I said, who knows? This Jesus stuff may one day make sense to you, and you'll get a lot more than good advice. You'll get a Savior. Amen? You'll get a Savior. So it was a really, really good question. So, do you wonder why we need church? Now listen, don't think you're impressing God by being here on Mother's Day night on Sunday night. Don't think God's going, whoo-hoo, boy, they're spiritual. He's not. He's not. But you know, what's, you know what's great about Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night? The camaraderie, the worship, the teaching of the Word, but the camaraderie of brothers and sisters who come together and support one another. I love that song this morning that, that Journey sang, Exhale. This is a safe place. Man, don't ever be a part of making this an unsafe place. Don't ever let, don't you ever be a part of making the house of God an unsafe place for someone. Don't you ever attack someone at church. Don't you ever talk about someone in church. Don't be cruel to someone in church. This is a safe place. It's a place where people can come and be healed and receive healing and, and be loved. Don't be a part of something other than that. We need one another. We need why I, I was talking, I was listening with Frank and Marquita this week. And um, we and Frank and I were sitting on the front porch talking. And I talked about, I said, I said, Frank, I said, you and Ben, you know, and Doug were the three guys when I came here. I needed so much help. I don't know if y'all know how stupid I was when I came here, but man, I had so much learning to do and I still got a lot to do. But I had so much learning to do. I made so many mistakes, it's ridiculous. But those three men helped me. They were mentors to me in that time, and still Frank today is a mentor. And I thank God for them coming out to our lives. So don't get so smart you don't think you need wise counsel. 
Don't get so smart. You, if you do think you know it all, let me just tell you, you're wrong. You're wrong. You don't know it all. There's one who knows it all, and he lives in heaven. It's not us. So, a wise man is full of strength. A man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance, you can wage war. With wise, wise guidance, you can wage war. And in abundance of counselors, knowing when you wage war, you will win that war. So, verse number four, after he talks to these folks. A large force of men assembled, and they blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said? Now, this is so good. This is so good. We, as we wage war, we should limit and remove the enemy's strategic advantage. We should limit and remove the enemy's strategic advantage. Now, notice what happens here. They go out there and they dam up the springs and they dam up the stream and the springs that flow there because they know this. Armies need water. Why should they come here when we have the power to stop it? Why should we not go ahead and stop the water flow so they won't have abundant water? They limited the strategic advantage of the enemy. We should do the same. We should do the same. You know, Jesus said something about if your eye offend thee, what should you do with it? Yeah, you should pluck it out. He said because it's better to you know, have a main body um, than, than you're into hell fire. And I think he said something about cutting your hand off for the same reason. If your hand offends you, you cut it off. It's better to have a main body than it is to enter into hell fire. So, so what, what is it in our lives, as you prepare to wage war, and knowing your, your Pearl Harbor is your heart, okay, your core being, is there anything in your life you need to get rid of? Is there anything you need to remove or limit to remove the enemy's strategic advantage? Is there anything that's happening in your life right now that you know it weakens you as a believer in Jesus Christ? Is there, is there anything going on in your life right now that you know the Satan, as soon as he finds that weakness, is going to leverage that weakness for his advantage and for the hurt of the kingdom of God? And again, you make the list. I don't need to. You make the list. It could be a habit. It could be a personality characteristic. It could be a character flaw. Is there something going on in your life right now that you know is going on that Satan can use to weaken and hurt the kingdom of God? We should limit and remove the enemy's strategic advantage. But then, in verse number 5, and, you know, it's cute now to come up with little abbreviations, you know, in preaching. That's the new, that's the new trend. So here's mine. The, the P423 principle. Isn't that cute? The P423, Proverbs 423. Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. Write it down. Don't forget. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it come the issues of life. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it comes the issues of life. And it's just a life. It's just a, in verse number 5, there's this beautiful painting, if you will, of what, what Proverbs 4.23 would look like lived out. Here's what it looked. Look at verse 5. Then he worked hard. I actually put it, I typed it in, highlighted in blue, which means it's a good illustration point. Don't run past that. Waging war is hard work. 
I think too often, you know, we all got the grace thing down. I believe in grace. I love grace. I'm infatuated with grace. But let me tell you something. God enables me and empowers me through His Holy Spirit to take on some of this myself. It's hard work. Stopping stuff, starting stuff, making wise decisions are things that sometimes are hard work. God wants me to succeed, and the victory has been won through Jesus Christ. But listen, He enables me through what? His Holy Spirit. A lot of this is on me, folks, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's me. I'm the one who needs to chuck the computer out the door if the computer needs to go. I'm the one who needs to turn the channels off on television if they need to go. I'm the one who needs to toss the books out if the books need to go. I'm the one who needs to keep my mouth shut if i got a gossip problem. But I do that through the power of God through the Holy Spirit. He worked hard. Sometimes I wonder, we go, I just don't know why I'm not succeeding as a Christian. Well, God's probably doing His part. You're not doing yours. And yours is to obey and to to apply and to work hard through the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to enable you to do these things. Well, He worked hard. What did He do? Repairing all the broken down sections of the wall. In other words, when Hezekiah looked at the, at the wall surrounding Jerusalem, there were areas of the wall that had fallen down. There were weaknesses. So Hezekiah started by strengthening his weaknesses. And in his wall, there were weaknesses. So the one thing we can do is we can strengthen the weaknesses. The, four, the P423 principle, we strengthen our weaknesses. When we examine our lives and we see, now this is a kink in my armor. This is a weakness. Paul may have said it. There's a debate about it. In Romans chapter 12, in verse number 1 and 2, where he said, the sin that so easily besets us. This, or is that Hebrews 12? I don't know which one it is. But the sin that so easily besets us. Okay, our besetting sin. A sin that we seem to be especially prone to. Strengthen our weaknesses. Okay, and watch. And building towers on the wall. So he strengthened his weakness and he also strengthened his strategic points. Now, you know what the towers are for? The towers, they would on top of the wall, they would build a higher tower on top and usually the archers would be in the towers. And by their height, they would have a better range of field to shoot the enemy. Okay? So they had strategic points. What could be some strategic points in our lives? A deeper understanding of the Word of God? Yeah. A a deeper application of the Word of God? Yes. A stronger prayer life? Yes. A a bigger heart of gratitude? Yes. A thankfulness? Yes. Um, You know, making sure like Nehemiah did, his joy level, the joy of the Lord is our strength? Yes. We need to make sure we have built towers that give us strategic range of fire on the enemy. So we can keep an eye on this roaring line as he walks around. He goes on and says this. Watch this. He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the supporting terraces of the city of David. He he put more practical protection. So he strengthened the wall. He built towers on that wall. And then for just more practical protection, he built another wall on the outside of that wall. And by the way, do you know what? Now, here's a word I have a hard time saying. Archaeology. Archaeology has proven that this is true, that there was an outer wall. 
There was an outer wall. Now, someone might be saying, Dwayne, isn't that overkill? Wasn't one wall enough? Weren't the towers enough? Did he really know to go, need to go through the expense and the effort to build a second wall? Not in the P423 principle, because it says guard your heart with all diligence, whatever it takes. Hezekiah says, I'm going to protect this city, whatever it takes. And we need believers today who'll say, I'm going to guard my heart Whatever it takes. If HBO's got to go, then HBO's got to go. If, if, if the computer's got to go, the computer's got to go. If, if hobbies have got to go, if it's taking too much of my time, got to go. Whatever interfere with the kingdom of God before, before God, got to go. Got to go. Well, Dwayne, that's awful extreme. Guard your heart with all diligence. Because out of it come the issues of life. Out of it come the very core values of who you are. And if your heart is in fact, if your preacher told you the truth this morning, and, and your heart is in fact prone to wonder, you get your heart to seeking the wrong treasure, and dude, it can cost you a lot. Trust me, in, in the world of false treasure economy, it gets pretty expensive pretty fast. Pretty expensive pretty fast. So he then reinforced, I read it and didn't talk about it, reinforced the supporting terraces of the Sea of David. Now, you know what that means? I didn't. I knew it meant Milo's, but I really didn't understand what it meant. Well, it's like this. Um, Have you ever seen a yard before and the yard will slope off sharply? And so in order to use this part of the yard, they'll build a wall up and make it level? Okay, that's what this is. In order for that outer wall to be put in, because of the slope of the, on one side of the city, on the slope of the hills, they could not build a wall. Because if they built a wall, then it would be right here, and it would be easy to get over and get over. Okay, So they had to build this up, and they call it terraces. They built it up so it would be the same level as this. Now, here's the deal. It was a very high-maintenance deal. After you did you can imagine, because it wanted to wash away, after you did it, you had to maintain it. But it was important. A lot of times waging war is not a one-time deal, it's an ongoing deal. And in this case, the Milos or the terraces were worth it because it supported the foundation for the wall. And then it goes on and says this, He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. So the 423 principle, the P423 principle, involves strengthening the weaknesses, strategic power, advantage, uh, building up and strengthening the foundation of the wall, um, um, practical protection, a second wall, and large numbers of weapons. Now, verse number six. And this is where that verse is. So after he'd done all that, the Bible says, he appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Now, listen to what Hezekiah says. Because again, did you get anything this morning about the power of the word? Not, not, not man's words, the power of the word. I mean, it's a lot. It's powerful. It's powerful. Listen to what God's word says here. And this is one of the things you probably want to take home and you, know, you somehow memorize it maybe. Okay, here's what it is. Verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Well, that's worth the price of admission right there. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I love that song. 
I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. You are no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. And you're not much by yourself, but you're a whole lot with Jesus. That's worth saying again. You're not much by yourself, but you're a whole lot with the power of Jesus. Okay, all right, as long as you're with me, do not be afraid and discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast armies with him. He said, look out there, you know, look at it. So you see on the horizon there, they're coming. And listen, don't be afraid of, of King Sennacherib and his what? Vast army. Hezekiah did not deny the fact that there's a powerful king coming with a vast armor. Don't be afraid. Watch. This is like so good. I can't remember what translation this is. For there is a greater... Oh, this is so good. There is a greater power with us than with him. Okay, he's got a vast army, and he is a king and everything. But don't be afraid and don't be discouraged, because there's a greater power with us than with him. Don't lose sight of this. It is true in this historical context of of Israel's history, but it is true today that there is a greater power with us than with him. Do you believe that tonight? There is a greater power with us than with him. It just gets better. With him is only the arm of flesh. Now, Now, let me illustrate it this way. Well, Flesh it out. Let me flesh it out this way. There is, there, with him, there's only the arm of flesh, okay? So, if you put God in the equation, then every only is weaker, okay? For instance, in his case, he says, with him, you know, he's a king and everything, but all he's got is the arm of flesh. Now, you take whatever you think the enemy might throw at you. Well, with him is only blank. But with us is the Lord, our God, to help us and to fight our battles. Whatever Satan, you, whatever you fear, Marcia, whatever you fear Satan might throw at you, it's an only. He's only got that because we got something stronger. What we got? We got God. And I love this. I'm not, I didn't get time to really flesh this out, but I said, boy, it sounds good. We, we not only got God to help us, That would be good, but he also fights our battles. If this battle comes, it's not even ours, it's God's. So he's there to help us, but man, he's he's going to fight the battle anyway. Isn't that just incredible? That should so encourage us. In fact, the Bible says, and the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. What a marvelous marvelous example of P423 leadership. You know, listen, I know Satan's a powerful foe, but compared to God, he is nothing. I mean that. He is nothing. We've got to stop this cancer that's in the church that somehow believes that God and Satan are some kind of almost equals. They're not even in the same cosmic universe. They're not. Our God is greater. I think we sang that tonight. Our God is greater. Our God is greater. Let me give you four verses and we're out of here. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. 
He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Philippians 4.13, we say it all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8.37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors through him who loved us. In John 16.33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace, but in the world you're going to have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So guard your heart. It's worth it. Guard your heart. I mean, yeah, there's all kind of practical benefits. I look at a young couple sitting over here. When you guard your heart, it protects your marriage, protects your children, protects your husband, protects your wife, protects your character, protects your reputation. Guard your heart. Above everything else, guard your heart. Because out of it come the issues of life. But understand tonight... We've got to be on a war footing because Satan wants the heart, but he really wants the guarded heart. And that one thing that someone threw out, pride, is the one thing we can be so careful. Now, let's be honest. A lot of times on a Sunday night or Wednesday night, some of the more mature, stronger Christians are sometimes present. And it would be awful easy for us to say, yeah, I've got this. Guard your heart. And guard against pride because we never reach the point where we don't need God. We never reach the point, and we don't want to reach the point where we think we don't need God. Let's pray together. Well, Father, I sure thank you for the privilege of sharing tonight. I really do. Father, help me. Let me pray about me. I'm not afraid to do that in front of these people. Help me to guard my heart. And help me to do it with such diligence, Father, that whatever action needs to happen in my life, I would be willing to take it. Father, I pray that same prayer for my brothers and sisters here tonight. Father, I want to pray against pride. Pride and arrogance. Father, I know how easily it creeps into my life. I know how easy it creeps into our life. So I pray against that tonight. Father, give us wisdom. Help us to seek wise counsel from other believers, from your word and, of course, from you. Father, in that we'll gain victory and we'll be able to wage our war. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will have the wisdom as we guard our hearts to to allow that to splash over into every area of our life, our marriages, our parenting skills, our grandparenting skills, our character and reputation, our actions, attitudes, and thoughts. Father, may it splash over on all of that. And I do thank you, in case I didn't make it clear, that the victory's already won. You fight our battles. This victory's already won. Just give us the wisdom as you empower us through the Holy Spirit to do our part in that victory that's already been won. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.